Super Bowl champions, Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. It's Wednesday, October 24th, 2018. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. And Chet, the Eagles won the stats and suffered a crushing loss. The Flyers come out against Colorado, win the stats, lose 4-1. And the Sixers are out of the blocks with a 2-2 two and two record, winning both at home and losing a heartbreaker on the road, losing both their road games now. Plenty to talk about on the Philly sports scene. I'll tell you, Bill, I was there at the link on Sunday for the Birds game, which I'm still having a tough time getting over. We'll discuss all that in a minute. And then last night I watched the Sixers-Pistons game that was thoroughly entertaining. Went to overtime, looked like the Sixers were going to pull it out, courtesy of a four-point play by J.J. Redick with six seconds left only to see the Sixers play some poor defense in the final seconds, allowing Blake Griffin to make a layup and get an and-one, giving him 50 points on the night and ultimately handing the Sixers a heartbreaking loss. So, yeah, not a good last few days for the Philly sports scene, my friend. (laughs) Yeah, well, and, you know, we could talk about any one of those things before that fourth quarter of that Eagles game has left me speechless. Yeah, I mean, 17 nothing birds with 13 minutes left in the game and then three drives by the Panthers that the Eagles just couldn't stop. A defense that had played so well for three quarters suddenly turns to mush. Uh, meanwhile, the Eagles' offense did nothing and apparently didn't think running the ball was wise for whatever reason, which <laughs> I didn't understand. And you know what, Bill? I'm not the only one. Our friend Ray Didinger didn't understand it. This is Ray on the postgame show. If my math is correct, you had 14 plays, you passed the ball 12 times with a 17 nothing lead. Why you drive the ball the length of the field with a 50-50 run-pass distribution, and now you get a 17-point lead, and in the fourth quarter you do nothing but throw the ball? Can somebody tell me why that is? I will tell you I think the Eagles lost this game more than Carolina won it, and there's no excuse. There's no excuse if you're the defending Super Bowl champions playing at home that you blow a 17 nothing lead to a team like this. Inexcusable. There you go. Well, well, I tell you what, Ray and I might disagree a little bit on that, Chet, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more, and I'll tell you what we're going to do. You know how much I enjoy when we have four players on our show, and tonight it's a double whammy for me, Chet, because we have a former player and a former coach all wrapped up in one, and uh, you know that makes that makes me really happy, so Let's welcome yep. a great Eagles linebacker, John Bunning, to Philly Press Box Radio. Welcome, John. Great to be with you guys. How you doing? Hey, doing John. Fantastic. John, I'll tell you what. Since you're an old Tar Heel, let's try to make you feel just a little bit more at home, all right? <laughs> I couldn't resist. Couldn't resist. That is that is a favorite Tar Heel born, Tar Heel bred. When I die, Tar Heel dead. There you go. <laughs> All right, John. This is Chet. Bill is here also, and you're actually lucky in that you didn't get to see the Eagles' fourth quarter meltdown on Sunday against the visiting Panthers. I was there, and it was pretty tough to watch. The defense giving up some 220 yards in the final quarter. So I ask you, how does a Super Bowl championship team let this kind of thing happen, not once but twice this month, because they blew a double-digit lead down in Nashville against the Titans, too? How can that happen? Well, let me just say this. We're, we've been here at our new home in Naples, Florida, for one week. Uh, I missed my NFL ticket so much. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get it here in our community, but uh, I 
I'm very sorry that I missed what you all saw, which had to be horrifying. Uh, it looks like a team's in total control of the game, and all of a sudden it starts getting away from you. I've I've been around this game enough to see things like that happen. And, you know, some people will say it's the Super Bowl hangover. Some people will say it's prevent defense. Uh, what it comes down to is this. Nobody could make a play in the fourth quarter. No, if, if you make one play on offense and maybe one play on defense, the game is probably over. John, in his day-after news conference, Coach Peterson sort of snapped at the media when they questioned his play calling, his not running the ball very often in the second half, the coach basically telling them, you're not down there on the sidelines. It's a different world than it is from watching the game up in the press box. Now, John, you're a former player and former coach, so did you ever have those little spats or differences of opinion with the media? Of course so. I mean, there's going to be some things like that that will happen uh, in the course of of your tenure, whether it's two years or, or ten, and we we all, I mean, I laugh every time I watch Belichick, you know, on a press conference. Uh, you know, I, I think Peterson is is one that is you know somewhat uh, conservative in terms of how he talks with uh, the press because I think he wants to protect his players. I know Andy Reid was very protective of what he said in press conferences. And I think he's one of the greatest coaches that the NFL's ever, ever had. But, you know, when you talk about the running backs, they, they don't have two of the three running backs that took them to the Super Bowl last year. I mean, I don't know what happened with Blunt and why they let him go. Too much money, I guess, too much cap money. Ajay, great get last year. Uh, now he is gone for the year. I mean, the, the young guy from Glassboro High School in Wisconsin He's not a guy that's going to carry the ball 25 times and, and, and win a football game. I don't think at this stage in his career. Hey, John, how, as a player and a coach, how real, at least at the professional level, is momentum? Uh, you know, this game was 17 nothing. We're sitting there. I'm sitting there watching with my buddies thinking, you know, we got a chance for a shutout here. Next thing, I mean, the gates are open. The momentum is swung. And like you say, nobody can make a play. Nobody can stop anything. And nobody on the offensive side could do anything. Uh, is it, how real is that momentum as a player on Mo the field? Big Mo is great. It, it's, it's certainly a factor in every game that you play. In football, it is, I think, a little more subtle because you really think like – We've been playing so great. We'll be able to turn this around. It's play to play. It's one play at a time. And if, in fact, what I did not see, but what I've kind of heard, is that they kind of sat back. The pass rushers did not get to Cam Newton. And let me just say this about that guy. He is a superior athlete. I mean, I've been living in Carolina uh, for 15 years, and I've watched a lot of uh, uh, Panther football, this guy Cam Newton could, could take over a game, just like a, you know, uh, a, a, a great basketball player can take over a game. He can do that. And if you're laying back a little bit, start playing a little bit more conservative. You're not getting the pressure on the quarterback. Uh, you don't tackle in the secondary you got all that are going to come about. But I think the big thing is not being able to, to move the football. I mean, they had, I guess, a, a, a bunch 
of long drives in the in the first three quarters. The Eagles did uh, keeping the ball away from the Panthers. It doesn't seem like the defense would be uh, you know uh, tired. They should be rested because of mm-hmm. those long drives. Uh, I do know that they lost another defensive end for the season, so yeah. that line might be getting thin. Uh, the linebackers, are they playing well enough? Is the secondary tackling well enough? Uh, the plays that I've seen online looks like everything got magnified by the fact that Newton was throwing passes to receivers and they were making plays after the catch. John, you played 11 years with the Eagles, got to the Super Bowl, of course, after the 80 season under Coach Vermeil. Uh, didn't get the job completely done the way you wanted to, of course, but how much fun was it for you and the other experts watching the Eagles last January go through the playoffs and into the Super Bowl and finally win it all? How cool was that for you guys? I had a ball. I really did. And, and i got to say this, too. Uh, when we won the Super Bowl with the Rams, playing, playing and, of course, coaching for – Coach Vermeil, uh, that was in, in part for those those eighty Eagles teams that, that went that went to the Super Bowl and lost. Uh, we all, I all thought about them. We all talked about it. Dick, Dick and Wilbert Montgomery and, and Big Daddy Carl Harrison. We talked about it in the locker room. This is in part for the for that team and for the city because uh, we wanted so badly to, to win one for for Philly, and it just didn't happen. Last year was fantastic. I. <laughs> it's funny because each of the, uh, the of the games leading up to the Super Bowl, when they got off to good leads uh, at halftime, instead of instead of just sitting around and watching, I'd go wash the daggum dishes in, in the sink so I could do something because I was getting more and more nervous and on edge, uh, you know. And so a lot of people on Facebook were telling me, "Hey, go wash them dishes, man!" Especially during uh, the Super Bowl game when they beat the Patriots. Uh, hey, hey, John, you spent nearly 30 years of your life in football as a college pro player and a, as a coach. Uh, the game has certainly changed a lot. And you were in the rough and tumble days with uh, that Eagles defense with Bergie and LeMaster and yourself at linebackers. Um, the game has changed a lot. Is it for the better or for the worse with the, um, the player protection rules that uh, certainly – the players being safe is better, but boy, it makes it rough uh, with the interpretation of some of these rules. It is really crazy to watch a game sometimes now. I, I don't really know what is a, a foul in terms of the uh, targeting, uh, the helmet. Helmet to helmet should be definitely outlawed. It, it's going to happen. Uh, the targeting aspect of it, when you, a, defensive, a defenseless receiver is hit either over in the sideline or out in the middle of the field, it doesn't matter where it happens. But they need to be taken care of. I, I, the game's safer than it's ever been. I like that. Um, uh, you're never going to be able to stop all of the, of the violence because it is a violent game. But uh, it, it's, it's, it's a, the greatest team game of all time. It's something that America still loves like crazy. Uh, you know, we haven't had a whole lot of business talking about the kneeling this year. That's been a kind of a relief. Uh, but, but I'm hopeful, and I, and I said this to – I spoke on the Carolina Panther Sports Radio Network this past week. I said this was a huge game for the Panthers and a huge game for the Eagles. 
I think that both those teams are not sure who they are right now. What, what, what do they face down the road? Are they going to be able to pull it off? Are they going to be able to get into the playoffs? I mean, that's the whole goal of it, to get into the playoffs. I'm, I'm hopeful that this road trip to London can have a special effect on the Eagles. I don't know when they leave. I don't know how long they'll be over there, but I hope they have an opportunity to spend some quality time together as a unit. Uh, and as we did when we were with, with Coach Vermeil, uh, we, we, we flew out of Philadelphia in preparation for our playoff games versus the Vikings and the Cowboys. Flew down here to Tampa to, to be, to be warm, practice warm, and, and every night we, when it, we went out to dinner and had a great time with our players, with our teammates, and, uh, and, and we really came together as a team and played great until we got down to, do, to uh, New Orleans. I'm hoping something like that happens, like it happened last year, I, I think, when they went out to the West Coast, got beat by the Seahawks, uh, went down to a state in the, on the West Coast, went down to L.A. and beat uh, the Rams in, in a, you know, a, a fist fight, and, uh, and then came out back and, and, and won a bunch of football games. So that's what I'm hopeful. These guys can come together uh, over in, in London. I hope they have a great road trip over there. Um, I mentioned, John, that you played 11 years with the Eagles. Not a lot of success in the Ed Kyatt or Mike McCormick years. And then, of course, Dick Vermeil arrives in 76. Things started to improve. Eventually, you get to the Super Bowl after the 80s season. Everybody who played for him has stories about Coach Vermeil. You see him every year at his golf event. Bill and I have been fortunate enough to have been invited the last few years. Uh, tell us what made Dick so special as an Eagles head coach back then. And as a friend still today, he's, I think, the youngest-looking 82-year-old. He's going to be 82 next week. The youngest-looking 82-year-old guy I know ever. There's no doubt about that. He's had a profound effect on every one of us that he coached. Uh, and, and certainly with uh, the Rams and, and then uh, with the Chiefs. Uh, he's beloved uh, mostly because he was a tough guy. Uh, he believed in getting the good players on, on, the, on the roster, not only because of their talent level, but because of their commitment to winning. Uh, that's, he was all about winning. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he, he was about taking care of the players. He, we worked really, really hard. Uh, I compared notes with a bunch of other uh, teams when I was playing and afterwards. Nobody really worked as hard as what as, as we did. And, and, and that's a credit to him that he was able to get the most out of us. Uh, we had some talented players. We had some really cool guys on our team. I mean, the Jaworskis and the Harold Carmichaels and the Wilbur Montgomerys and that that offensive line was a superior offensive line. He built the offensive line, and 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 that's important. That's so important in football. Defensively, you know, we had we had a, a, an overachieving defense. Uh, you know, Bill Burgess an All Pro linebacker. Jerry Robinson an All Pro linebacker. Randy Logan is a great safety. But you know, we we. We worked hard every single day purpose. We had great character, and I think uh, that's the thing that represents, I think, Dick Vermeil and the way he chose his players. Three different places, and I think the guy belongs in the Hall of Fame. You know, at Philadelphia and, and, and the Rams, uh, that last year when we went to the Super Bowl and won it, we had a bunch of great guys on our team. It was, they're such a pleasure to coach. I love coaching the defense and coaching the linebackers out there. Because Dick, 
Dick had your back, too. So if there's ever an issue, you took it to him, he took care of it. Awesome. I I agree. He gets my Hall of Fame vote, too, if I, I wish I had one. Hey, hey, John, I wanted to ask you, uh, a great friend of our show, uh, been with us many, many times, is Kevin Riley. And Kevin wrote uh, that book, Tackling Life, which I think was just a fantastic book. And you certainly play a key part in that book, in my mind, as being the first one that uh, was with him when he got to see um, himself in the mirror. Uh, without an arm and without a shoulder, what what in the world was the emotion like for you as a good friend of, of Kevin's to go through that? Took my, that took my breath away. Of course, the whole ordeal going through about a, a year and a half, two years of, of watching this thing develop and, and, and how it went from this to the next step to taking off part of it is his is shoulder, you know, to the clavicle being taken out and, and half of, uh, you know, half an inch or two inches of his humerus. It, it was just so devastating and just wearing on you. And then knowing that he was going in, he was going to have his arm sliced off, four ribs taken out. Uh, uh, my first wife and I were now, we, 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 we traveled up there and, and uh, uh, we took him out for an hour or two. Uh, you know, you know, I took the bandages off, and you know, to to see what had taken place was took my breath away. I I, I could barely speak except to say, "Hey, you're you're going to make it, man. This this is going to be the last time." And, and thank goodness, and thank God, uh, and he has such a strong, strong faith. Such a great family guy. He has a big, big family. They've all been so supportive, uh, and now he gets to go out and, and speak to groups and inspire others to succeed and, and, and do the right things and, and you know never take a, a problem and make it so big that you can't be successful. That's what he's all about. He's a successful guy. He has had a great impact on so many people, and, and I, I'm lucky to call him one of my very best friends. Yeah, we love Kevin. We've had him on, I think, 10 times over the last four years. Great guy. Um, hey, John, just for the fun of it, I looked at the Eagles' 1972 draft today. First thing, I was blown away by the fact that there were 17 rounds back in 1972. Now there's only seven. And <laughs> yeah. you were drafted in the 10th round. And I've got to say, you're by far the guy on this list who had the best career. I mean, John Reeves stuck around for a long time, the number one pick by the Eagles mostly a backup. Tom Lucan played several years in the league as a guard. Uh, we remember Poe James and Tom Sullivan, the running backs. Don Zimmerman had a few good years with the birds, but uh, you're the standout there, John. That's got to make you feel pretty good. I feel very good about what uh, I was able to accomplish, uh, particularly with teams. Um, and once again, I'll, I'll say this, uh, th- this is important. Um, NFL teams, they're not the same year in, year out. They're, they're, they're just not. That locker room changes. And the locker room was key to winning. And, you know, when, when players got traded from the, from the 74 team that was 7-7, seven and seven, uh, the Steve Zables and the West Chessons and, and a couple other special teams players, uh, we, we changed. We were a different team. We, did, we didn't have the character. We didn't have the, the, the camaraderie that we had in that locker room. So I'm, I'm – this is another reason why I'm hopeful that this Eagle team going abroad over there to play in London can come together and, and, and get back some of that charisma that made them so special last year. 
the locker room is so doggone important, and um, I'm, I'm hopeful that these guys can pull it together. Uh, my my teams uh, from '72, uh, Eddie Kayak, great guy, still a good friend of mine. You know, then Mike McCormick. Things changed between '74 and '75, and then Dick comes in, total different approach. We're going to go with character guys. He had no draft picks until '78. Three years later, when he got to draft uh, Reggie Wilkes in the third round as a linebacker, and then finally in '79 he got to draft Jerry Robinson. Both these guys are designed to take my job. Fortunately, they never got it. So I'm very happy about that. I'm very yeah. happy about that. Hey John, I have one final question for you. You finished your uh, your pro career playing for the Philadelphia Stars in 1984. You went right into coaching those same Stars in '85 and went on for. A 21-year coaching career, even with stops at uh, Rowan. Chet's uh, Chet's paying uh, tuition to Rowan a couple times right now. Um, Two kids, yeah. Did you did you know or, or what? I coach a lot of high school football over the years. I was just curious. Did you know at what point in your career that you know what coaching is going to be for me? You know, I never wanted to coach. I wanted to be a, a, a radio TV guy. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, I have been around a lot of coaches in my career. Some I like a lot. I don't. Uh, a lot I think are sometimes so self-centered, and they're just looking for looking for the next friggin' job. I, I can't stand that, and I got to be around that a bunch. At the University of North Carolina, where I was the head coach, that was my my ultimate dream job, uh, and I just couldn't stand it. The guys were you, you sign them to a contract, and now you know a, a half an hour later they're behind a closed door uh, looking for a new job. It just drove me freaking crazy. It really, really did. Um, so, uh, you know, I love my playing years. I got to coach for the Stars because I really believed in that staff. That staff, that staff coached in the NFL for another 15, 20 years. The Vince Tobins, the John Pieses, uh, the Carl uh, Tater Pie Smith is still coaching the, the quarterback, up, uh, I think, uh, assistant head coach up in Seattle. Uh, we had a great, great staff. So that became kind of natural to me to see if I could join that staff. But I also got to coach this guy named Sam Mills. Oh, yeah. yeah. Pretty good football Pretty player. good. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I mean, this guy got cut twice or maybe three times in the NFL, Canadian Football League, comes to the stars. He, they can't cut him. He's too good. And then I got to play alongside him for two years. The first guy to ever beat me to the film room used to kind of P.O. me that, uh, that he would be able to, because nobody had ever done that before, beat me to the film room. And he, he was able to do it because he, because he loved being smart. He loved knowing what to do. And, you know, that's, that's a key part of playing that position. Key part of being the leader of the defense is somebody has to call the signals. Somebody, somebody's going to be the leader on the field. Sam Mills was that guy. I got to coach him. I got to coach him for a year, and it was a pleasure. John, Bill just mentioned uh, something that I'm going to ask you about, those final two years of your playing career with the Philadelphia Stars. I guess you were with them in 84, your final season as a player when they won the USFL championship for the first time. Uh, I went to college, Penn State, with Chuck Fusina, and I talked to him about that a couple of years ago. Was that a fun couple of seasons for you? I enjoyed it more than I've ever enjoyed playing football. 
That was the best two years of, of my playing career. I mean, I loved playing for Coach Meal. I loved those players in that locker room with the Eagles that we had, the, the Stan Walters and, and, and uh, you know, Keith Crepleys and John Spagnolas and my all-time favorite, uh, my roommate, Louis Giamona, you know, a fierce, fierce, the fiercest competitor I've ever known. But I just had a ball. I had a ball. I was an old fart out there playing with these young kids. Uh, Ficina was a couple years older than the young guys, but Chuck was a by the way, a wonderful human being and a really yeah. a tough, smart quarterback. But I had a great time. I had more fun. And Jim Moore was a tough coach, too, now. I mean, he was right out of the Dick Vermeil mold. And, and I had a – if we had more time, I could tell you some great Jim Moore stories. He is a tough guy. And um, he, 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 he molded the team. We had some really good players that went on after the league folded to play many years in the NFL. Yes, indeed. Well, John, I'll tell you what, I hate that we're out of time already, but we are out of time, and we certainly appreciate you taking the time to join us. This is fun. Well, let's hope the Eagles can get over the hump here. they got one way, one of two ways to go now. Uh, they, can, they, can, they can hack it, or they they, they got to go, go over there and, and beat a team that, that, you know, once again, that team's going to be hungry for a win, the, the Jaguars. So don't walk into this, this game thinking that, that you got the game won because they've lost three in a row. I, I know that. I know that from playing in the, in the league and coaching in the league. You better mm-hmm. be ready to play. Hey, hey I, I have to tell you, I know you've used that saying in the locker room before. I've never heard it. Hack it or pack it. I, I guarantee that's been used before. <laughs> for for <laughs> sure. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, John. I, thank you, John. We, we I, I enjoyed it, guys. Good, good luck in Florida. Watch them. I'm going to watch some Red Sox baseball right now, okay? You bet. Enjoy. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. It's time to talk food and drink in one awesome place with great varieties of both. It's the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, Bucks County. Daily dinner specials, 24 beers on tap, always. And this weekend, well, the Rover's Chris Gaskell tells us there's lots happening. We're gearing up right now for our Halloween party, which is on Saturday the 27th. We have live music. The band Stem Live will be with us. We'll have great drink specials and, of course, costumes. Come in your best costume, and there'll be prizes. Also, we're really excited about the Eagles game in London. We've decided to open our doors at 8.30 in the morning, and we'll have a little breakfast thing going on and some great giveaways from Victory Brewing Company. It should be a good day. Hopefully the birds get back on track. Watch them Sunday morning at the Irish Rover on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn. Visit their website. IrishRoverStationHouse.com. I had to do it. You had to do it, no doubt. Well, hey, Chad, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you. All-state insurance in Westchester, PA. You got that right, Bill. It is true. One of the best benefits of having an all-state insurance policy is getting a local agent, someone like Dave Lavoie, who's dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. Click on the all-state banner on our Philly Press Box Radio website, or just call Dave directly at 610-430-0700. Again, it is Dave Lavoy, Allstate Insurance in Westchester, 610-430-0700. All right. Hey, Chet, let's talk a little Sixers. Uh, I know you're excited about this team. 
Um, you know, I'm not so excited about this team, and I didn't much like that. I, I don't, I don't know if it was a meltdown last night. But that's a game they should have won. Yeah, I mean, very tough overtime loss in Detroit, as we discussed. Another challenge tonight out in Milwaukee. Ben Simmons battling back problems. I think he is going to try to play tonight. Still no Wilson Chandler. Two and two after four games. Could be better. Could be worse. Long way to go. But yeah, that was a real tough one. Like I said, it was an exciting game, and you thought a couple times the Sixers had it won. They just couldn't finish the job. And as mentioned, some real shoddy defense on that final bucket by Blake Griffin. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you, the guy who ends up with 50 points in the game, he ends up with the ball. You have two defenders just that left their shorts out there because he faked them both out. And he goes to the hoop. And you either have to let him go to the hoop and get the two and play for the tie. You certainly, if you're going to foul him, you need to kill him. You can't let him get a three-point play there. Yeah, I mean, that was the ultimate worst thing that could happen right there. They let him get the three-point play, and boom, Sixers are behind by one and you know couldn't get a miracle shot from Joel at the end, so it's a one-point loss. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, the other thing that got me is, uh, and you and I were actually texting during the game a little bit, is those two missed foul shots down the stretch where J.J. Redick missed that technical foul. The guy's a 90-whatever-he-is percent shooter and uh, misses a critical one. They follow that up with another miss. Uh, at a time where they could have uh, done some damage. Well, I'm not going to fault J.J. He did make six out of seven. He's not going to make every single one. But, yeah, that would have been nice to make that one right there. Hey, we got a guest on the line with us, Bill. You ready? We do. It's first-time guest, and we're really excited about having the co-host of NBC Sports Philadelphia's brand-new Sixers Outsider show. Tyrone Johnson is joining us. Welcome, Tyrone. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, Ty, it's Chet. Uh, thanks for joining us. Lots going on for you these days. In addition to your work with Mike Missinelli every weekday afternoon on 97.5 The Fanatic, you're now, as Bill mentioned, co-hosting this brand-new TV show that airs after most 76ers games. You get the night off tonight, I know. Sixers Outsiders. So tell me, how'd this come about, and how much fun are you and co-host Crystal Rich having with the show so far? You know, I'll answer the second part first. We're having a ton of fun. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun. We get to watch the games, obviously. What's better than that? And get paid. And then you talk about it. I mean, it's the best job in the world. Um, as far as how it happened, um, they, I believe, because of Mike Missinelli's show being on NBC Sports Philadelphia, they called me in for an audition. And um, at first I thought perhaps it might be an easy process, thought I would have a leg up. I was wrong. There was uh, about four different auditions I had to go through, and finally after the fourth one I was able to secure the job, and I'm very glad that I was able to do so. Hey, Ty, did you know Crystal at all previously? It seems like you guys already have some real good chemistry. Uh, it's great working with her, but no, we, uh, we met on my third audition, and she was in, I don't know how many auditions it was for her, but it was on the third audition day. When I met her and uh, we were going together and we were going with other people and uh, they seemed to really like what we had together and now we're on the air. Now, hey Ty, can you give the listeners a little um, a little background? Like you, you've only done what just two shows so far. What what's your schedule like? You're not doing every game, and are you going to be on directly after the game for a certain time period? How how's this going to work? We're going to be after post game live. Any of the games that start eight eight p.m. or earlier, so West Coast trips only because if you had a like tonight's a nine thirty start, you'd be looking at we wouldn't be on till past midnight. So those type of games we won't be on. But any game that starts eight o'clock or earlier, seven seven thirty, any any of the national TV games eight o'clock, 
We'll be on right after post-game live. You'll see us from during post-game live. And then we'll just hit it. We'll take the people's tweets, and we'll just react to what the people are saying. You know, a lot of shows are just analysis. A lot of shows are just, you know, people breaking down the film. We're basically just reflecting back the input that we're getting from the people so the people will dictate what we talk about. We have no agenda whatsoever. Oh, yeah, and Tyrone, we old folks, we can't, we can't stay up past midnight anyway, so I think that's the right decision <laughs> right there. Um, hey, Ty, we're, games, we're yeah. still trying to get over that unbelievable Eagles loss to Carolina on Sunday, and then Tuesday night the Sixers suffer a heartbreaking loss in Detroit. It's been a rough few days for us fans. It, it really has, and the worst part about it is it, I, in both cases it was avoidable, and in the Sixers' case there could have been a silver lining, and the coach robbed us in my opinion, of that silver lining. So starting with the Eagles, I mean, 17 nothing in the fourth, the game was over. The game was <laughs> over, and then it, and then it wasn't, and, and then it wasn't. So it's just it's, it's a tough few days. And it would have been nice, I don't know about you guys, but it would have been nice if the Sixers were to lose last night without Ben Simmons. It would have been nice if you got to learn a little bit more about Markel Fultz, but unfortunately you didn't get to learn a thing. Well, and that was going to be my question to you uh, right there, Ty. Uh, what What is your take on how this – I mean, we're only four games in, uh, but how do you see this whole Fultz thing working out? And uh, it certainly looked like down the stretch that Brett Brown didn't have much confidence to have him on the floor. Right, and a lot of people say, well, he's, he's right to not have confidence. And I understand that. I can't push back. I can't pretend that Markel Fultz's play has been this – stellar situation where everybody should believe in them. But I'm trying – I attempt to try to take people at their word unless they, unless they teach me not to. And if he tells me that he's a starter, quote-unquote, and he tells me he's going to try to grow him, and those are his words, then what better opportunity in a situation where you were leading for a good chunk of the game? It was close, but they were ahead for large chunks of that game. Your, your starting point guards out, you have a guy who's very comfortable with the ball in his hand. I think it was his duty to give him those minutes to quote-unquote grow him. And here's the crazy part. I also think that he's just more talented than T.J. McConnell. That shouldn't be a crazy statement, but I think to the coach that would be a crazy statement. I think Markel Fultz has more talent. Maybe you win the game because he can get a breakaway dunk. Maybe he can get a block shot. Maybe he can get a steal and do things athletically in the game that T.J. just can't. I think he really robbed – I think he robbed the fans. I think he robbed his team. I think he robbed folks. And if I'm a teammate, you know, if I'm one of his players, I think I'm a little bit angry because he chased the win by playing TJ and they didn't get the win. So what was it for? The same thing happened in the Boston game. Ray only played three minutes in the second half because, oh, you're trying to win the game. Okay, again, you didn't win the game. Like, I'm all for playing the player you deem better who's less talented. It just has to work. And I know that might be tough, but that's simple. You're a coach. You have to – it has to work your decisions. And both times so far this season where he decided to go with his veterans to win the game, they lost the game. So it just makes it harder for me to trust his word because it, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm with you, Ty. Markel Fultz, I thought, did a pretty decent job in the absence of Ben Simmons last night. And then he doesn't play at all the final 15 minutes. a perfect opportunity to see what the guy has to offer. But I do want to ask you, we need to know, is Fultz ultimately going to be an impact player or just another guy? See, that's a tough question. It, I believe he has talent. I believe he could be an impact player. Uh, I really do because I see enough raw materials to, to be that impact player. 
but he has to be given the opportunity. He has to have trust. And what troubles me now is one injury happened, the coach didn't trust him. Like, do for Sixers fans to expect to actually see him play, do multiple guys have to get hurt? And I can even live. Let's say you're a big T.J. McConnell fan and you think he should have played all those minutes more than Markel Fultz. Can anybody on the earth explain to me why Landry Shamit played more minutes than Markel Fultz last night? <laughs> that, I, mean, mm-hmm. I mean, no 24 to 20, that's inexcusable. And that's the kind – don't say you're trying to grow him if you're not trying to grow him. So I think he can, no player can grow without a coach giving you confidence, telling you you're going to be out there, and a player knowing their role. And no one will develop if they say, oh, you're a starter. But whenever it matters, you're never going to play. But Landry Shamit might. That can't happen. So I think it's up. If he doesn't, I'll tell you what, if he doesn't, I'm going to blame the coach more than him. Well, I, I find that interesting because I've said this on this show for several years. I think Brett Brown has gotten a pass uh, because he didn't have any talent. Now he's got some talent. He did last year, and and I, I don't think they're as talented maybe this year as they were last year. Haven't lost a couple guys and not replaced them maybe. But uh, I, I think I'm hearing that in your voice that maybe you have uh, quite the questions about Brett Brown as well. Well, no, no, I don't really have questions. I give him a lot of credit for what he did last season. You know, I, I went in the playoff series, 52 wins. To me, that's, that's a big deal to me. My issue is, and my, it's really just a question. The question is, I, I think we all agree that after going through the process, we deserve a championship. I didn't watch, you know, Henry Sims and K.J. McDaniel and <laughs> Cannon and Hollis Thompson. I didn't watch all those guys play for the Sixers to basically make the second round or do what they did pre-process. I did all of that for a championship. So really my only question about Brett Brown is no longer can he develop players. He's done a good job with that overall. Can he be a solid leader? I believe all those things about him. The question now is, it's a much tougher question, is can you win a title with him? And I don't have answers to that yet. And nights like last night, give me pause because they don't make any sense to me. If Again, if it's just T.J. playing more minutes than I can wrap my mind around it. But the fact that Shamit also played more minutes than him makes me then question the coach a little bit because he has to understand, and this is something that Doug, got Doug Collins fired and then Phil Jackson comes in and wins a bunch of titles with Michael Jordan. Talent is king. Like, he was playing, he had Michael, but think about this in the time machine now. For people, maybe there's some younger listeners that don't remember. You had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant together in Chicago, and they were playing the slowest pace in the NBA, basically taking possessions away from Michael Jordan. They switched to Phil Jackson. They speed the game up. They bring the triangle. Six titles later. I want to know if Brett Brown is Phil Jackson in this scenario, or is he Doug Collins? I don't know yet. But last night was a more Doug Collins night than a Phil Jackson night because talent wasn't served. And everything is forgivable if you win, but you also lost the game. So you did not develop folks in a pressure situation. You did not show him any confidence, even though he had played his best game of the, of the season. And you lost. So you checked no boxes, and that's what gives me pause. I know he's a good coach. But I, I don't know if he's a great coach, and he was definitely not a great coach last night. All right. 
All right, Tyrone, in our final two minutes, let's play a real quick game of Fast Five. Five questions, five oh, brief, ten seconds or less answers. You ready for that? Yes, I am. Here we go. All right, Tyrone, your favorite 76er of all time is? Charles Barkley. All right. Leads me right into number two. Not including Charles Barkley, who's been your favorite guest on 97.5 over the last couple of years? Good question. Um, I forget his name. He was the head of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I think it was Dan Baker. Uh, we, we had him on before Dawkins went in. Really showed a lot of reverence. He handled the T.O. situation well. He's literally a 400-pound guy. And he has a 400-pound personality. A little more obscure, but he's been a great guest. Number three, tell us something about Mike Missinelli that most people wouldn't know. Uh, Mike Missinelli loves music much more than I think people realize. He, I believe he loves music more than sports. Yeah, alt-rock, too, which is kind of strange. All right, number four, D. Lynham, Bill, and I made our Sixers predictions last week. They ranged from 46 to 50 wins. What's your official prediction, Ty? Uh, before the season, it was 56. I'm still going to stay with that number because I believe a trade is coming at some point to add shooting. I, I take the 52 from last year. I allow for Embiid to get better and, and Simmons to get better, and I get four more wins, so 56. All right. And Woo! number five, the, be- the best sports movie ever made is what? Best sports movie ever made. The best sports movie ever made is Rocky. That's my, the best. My favorite is any given Sunday to watch. All right. And one bonus question. People can get this answer on your Twitter profile, but I'm going to ask you right here. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No, it's not a sandwich. <laughs> I told it's not a sandwich. No. Not. Uh, I knew you'd say that. Well, hey, hey Ty, I'll no, tell you not. what. Uh, I, you surprised me with 56. Uh, good. I hope, I hope you're right. I, I went 46 myself, but uh, I, I'm rooting for you. Well, <laughs> me too. The, the, 50, the 56, there's a lot of bad teams. There's a lot of bad teams in this league. And also, this was before the season where a game like last night should have been a W. And that got away from them. And I don't blame the players that much for that game getting away from them. I didn't expect Brett Brown to lose a game the way that he did. And to me, that loss is pinned on him. So I'm, I'm not going to backtrack from my initial prediction based on one bad game. All right. Well, hey, Ty, we appreciate you joining us. We've run out of time. And uh, good luck, NBC Sports Philadelphia's brand-new Sixers Outsider Show with Ty Johnson. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, All Ty. Right. Take care. Is it time for the music, Bill? It is. Play it. Let's hit it. Well, Fred Hugo is back with us to talk a little fantasy football and NFL predictions. But, Fred, i uh, got to ask you real quick. Uh, I know you were listening there to Ty. Uh, what do you think about the Sixers 2-2 two and two start and how it's going? Uh, I, I, I am, he is spot on with how I feel about Brett Brown. We were just going back and forth, me and a couple of my buddies on text last night. Like, is he Doug Collins? Is he Mark Jackson? Or is he Steve Kerr? Is he Phil Jackson? And um, uh, he, I, I just love what Tyrone just said in that whole spiel there. So, with them being two and two, 
it's not the record so much. It's it's exactly what Tyrone said about Fultz. Like, you're either going to play him or you're not going to play him. And once again, Brett Brown shows that he cannot make in-game adjustments, and the moves that he does make in-game, like Tyrone said, they don't work. They never pan out. It didn't pan out in Boston. It took him a while to make the switch to Justin Anderson in the playoff series against the Heat. If he didn't bring that toughness there, do we get past the Heat? You know, there's a lot of question marks with him, and and I, I'm definitely concerned if he's just a guy that's going to just get you there, but not not get you over the top. Interesting. All right. Well, hey, let's talk. Uh, let's jo- jump over to fantasy football. What do you got for us this week? So we got some good waiver at not good, I guess you would say, but injuries. So uh, Marshawn Lynch is is basically out for the season on IR. So you want to look out for Doug Mark- Martin and uh, Jalen Richard. I would go more towards Doug Martin, though. McCoy, LaShawn McCoy has a, a concussion. And there's a lot of trade rumors with him as well, so you might want to pick up Chris Ivory because he would take over as the number one back if he was to be traded or if McCoy's um, out again this week. And uh, Tyrell Williams, wide receiver for the Chargers, he's been having the last three weeks very good scoring weeks. The Chargers are on a bye week, so most people aren't looking for him. So if you want to pick him up too and snatch, stash him on your uh, your bench, that might be an option. As far as uh, weekly positions that I like at the quarterback spot, I love Andrew Luck against the Raiders. The Raiders are ranked 24th against QBs. They're trading everyone. It seems like they're going to start this their own little tank. Uh, I love Luck this week. I like Kirk Cousins uh, matched up against the Saints. And then I also like Andy Dalton against Tampa Bay. I liked Andy Dalton last week against the Chiefs, and he didn't show up. So you might want to – not heed that advice against Tampa. Um, at the running back spot, I like David Johnson against the 49ers. I think he's going to have a big week. I like uh, James Conner coming off the bye week for the Steelers versus the Browns. If he plays again, uh, Latavius Murray had another great week. I like him against the Saints. At wide receiver, I like Jarvis Landry against the Steelers. I also like, I love actually Emmanuel Sanders against the Chiefs. You might even want to grab uh, Demarius Thomas as well or start him. And then Robert Woods of the Rams um, against the Packers. They, they've had statistically it'll, it'll show the Packers are kind of middle of the pack um, against wide receivers statistically, but they had two weeks against teams that weren't really that well. The other weeks they got kind of blown out. So look for the Rams receivers to take off this week. Um, at the tight end spot, I love Jared Cook versus the Colts. They just traded Amari Cooper, so they're going to move most of the targets towards Jared Cook. Uh, I would go that route with him, start him. And then also C.J. Uzoma versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He had a touchdown last week, and um, Tampa Bay's ranked 32nd against tight end, so he's on the Bengals, so that should be a nice uh, start as well. Defensively, I actually love, love the Eagles' defense against the Jaguars. That quarterback scenario there and their running back spot is, is kind of in shambles. I know they just got Carlos Hyde, so I really like the Eagles' defense to get a couple interceptions, maybe even have a defensive touchdown this week. I like the Cardinals' defense against the 49ers. And then moving over to kicker, I like Will Lutz of the Saints versus the Vikings. There should, should be some scoring there, and the Vikings also have a doom. And then I like Randy Bullock uh, versus, of the Bengals against the uh, Buccaneers. So 
that's that's what I got this week for fantasy. And then, as always, on uh, Sunday mornings, I'll have my start one, sit one. Love the guys I want to sit and start one player each. If you're doing FanDuel or if you're just looking for a, a lot of times they do the inactives around 11 or 12. So I have updated uh, people at that point. All right, good stuff. Hey, Chet, NFL uh, prediction time again. Uh, are we doing any better? You <laughs> well, chose, I told you, you what I Dallas. The Cowboys, that, that would guarantee a Redskins victory last weekend, and that's, of course, what happened. So you guys were both 2-1 and one for the weekend. I was 1-2. and two. So that means for the season, Fred is now two whole games over 500 at 14-12. and 12. He's killing it. Bill, you are 13-13. 13 and 13. I am a pathetic 12-14. and 14. So I'm 12-14, and 14, but I'm only two games back. There you have it. That's because we're all pathetic. <laughs> you took the all words right. out of my mouth, Bill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, here we go. Fred, we got a couple throw-ins on you here. I don't know if anybody told you, so you're going to have to be quick on your feet. We have Washington at the Giants. The skins are minus one. The add-ins, uh, since Dallas has a bye this week, Baltimore at Carolina, Baltimore minus two. New Orleans at Minnesota is a pick 'em game. Might be the best game of the weekend. Last, the Eagles on the road, um, or, or the road team, against the Jaguars in London. Eagles minus three. Um, who do you like, uh, Fred? Washington at the Giants, the Skins minus one. These lines are crazy. I wouldn't expect it to be this close. But the Redskins almost, what we did, blow in their game against the Cowboys last week. I I just the Giants I don't know I don't, the lines throwing me off here I, I'm going to yeah. go with the Giants you said the Giants are at home yep yep I'm I'm going to take the Giants they're they're due for a win that spread is is very close which me, tells me Vegas knows something I'm going to go with the Giants here I find that line hard to believe but I didn't check on you Bill so I'm going to trust you but either way the Redskins are a better team than the Giants they have to win this game. They're you know trying to hold on to first place. Redskins win this game. Come on. Yeah, I'm I'm going Redskins too because uh, afraid that the Giants couldn't beat the Collingdale AC Bulldogs. So I'm going <laughs> Redskins at home. But I am I am surprised at the the minus one as well. All right, Baltimore at Carolina. Baltimore minus two. I thought this was an interesting line as well. Yeah, you're right, but I'm not falling for this one. This is kind of like that that Patriots line last week, minus two against the Bears. I I don't think Carolina is that great. The Eagles laid down and let them come back. I I think Baltimore wins this, no question. I'm I'm going Ravens. The game's in Carolina. Carolina's 3-0 at home this year. I think they're energized from the win over the Eagles. They're now, you know, in the playoff hunt. I'm taking the Panthers, so I have a chance to make up some ground on the leader here. I'm going Panthers. Well, you don't have room to make up on me because I'm going the Panthers, too, at home. I like that Baltimore defense. I think they're really good. They played, they played the Saints, uh, high-scoring Saints, very well. But I'm, I'm going Carolina at home. New Orleans at Minnesota, pick them. Uh, again, this surprises me a little bit. I could be wrong. Both teams have, have good offenses. I, I would lean towards the Vikings as having the better defense. But I just, with, with Drew Brees, I'm, I'm not going to go against him. That offense, all those receivers, you got Kamara and Ingram. I'm going to take the Saints to win this one over the Vikings. Shaky start to the year for the Saints, but I think they got it together now. And uh, Drew Brees is just 
too good. Saints win this one. Yeah, and uh, I've got the Saints too, but I tell you what, I, I was on the, I, I was really teetering only because it's Sunday night at home in Minnesota to give them a little advantage there. But I'm sticking with Drew Brees and that uh, he's going to outscore them, so I'm going Saints. Eagles Jaguars in London. Eagles minus three. Who knows what Eagles team will show up, Fred? Yeah, what what half they're going to play in as well. I'm just going to go here. I, I was very, very shocked last week the way they played and, and very shocked by, by Carson at the end as well. I just don't the, – the Jaguars defense is – I guess that they're starting to look a little overrated now. And the, the Cowboys blew them out. So, I, I just – I don't think their quarterback situation is, is privy for them to win. It's kind of a road game for them as well. I'm going to take the Eagles to win this. It might be closer than we want it to be. But I'm going to have the Eagles win this by by a touchdown. Well, as I try to catch my breath here, with last week's loss, guys, this is an absolute must-win situation for the Birds. They know that, and I'm going to hope they rise to the challenge. Working against them, Blake Bortles is a perfect 3-0 and in games in London, but the Jags are not having a good season. Like the Eagles, they are 3-4 and now. They've been struggling I'm taking the Birds to get a win before their bye week, and they will actually win by more than a touchdown, believe it or not. I think so anyway. The Eagles, 27, Jags, 17. Well, is Blake Bortles even playing in this game? Is he starting this He's going to start. decide that? Okay. Yeah, he's starting. Uh, they said he has matter. a short leash, though. Yes, short yeah, leash, it, but he will start. That's going to instill confidence in the guy. That, that team's coming unraveled a little bit, it looks like. A little bit, bit of dissension going on there. Uh, the Eagles are going to bounce back, and I think they're going to bounce back in a big way. Jacksonville's not very good. I'm going 31-14 Eagles, and that that's rare for me to pick a high-scoring game like or a big spread like that. I usually look closer, but 31-14, Birch. Go Birch. Oh, I would love that. Need, need, need right. one of them games, you know? Yes, well, we just had one last week. We just forgot about it that quick after what they did to us this week. <laughs> 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 All right, Fred. Well, hey, we appreciate you coming by as always, and uh, let's do it again next week. All right, great. Sounds good. Go Birds. See you, Fred. Go Birds. Hey, Chet, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance on winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams, and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Razroom. That's right. It's PPCC 118 Razroom on Facebook. Mm-hmm. It, and Chet, as always, uh, you've lined up some great guests. Tell us who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week. Yeah, first of all, I mean, i got to say, first-time guests tonight, Tyrone Johnson and John Bunting, both were fantastic. Thanks to both of those guys. Next week, we've got a guy who, like John Bunting, has played for both the Philadelphia Eagles and the Stars. This guy, however, was a tight end, and these days he's the publisher of Jersey Man, Philly Man, and now Boston Man magazines, in addition to calling some college football games on the weekend. His name is Ken Dunnick. We've got to have, we're going to have Ken back on with us next week, and Fred Hugo, too, of course, and Bill, make sure you wear your Halloween costume next week. I will. Absolutely. I'll be ready to go. 
October right. 31st. Looking forward to Ken. And uh, as you said, John and Ty were, were outstanding. Glad to have them as uh, first-time guests. Yes, hey, sir. Hey, Chet, uh, before we get to our parting shots, uh, there's a World Series going on. And we haven't made any predictions. The Dodgers and the Red Sox. Red Sox are up one game to zero. Uh, who you like in the World Series? Well, for the record, I actually made this prediction before game one. So I do feel pretty good about it, having seen most of game one. Uh, the Red Sox were the best team in baseball this season. So why wouldn't that continue? Boston in six is my prediction. Yeah, I have to agree. I think Boston is the best uh, best team, and as much as it pains me because I don't really want to root for them. But I will tell you there are two Lakeland guys playing on uh, on that Boston team. Chris Sale is from Lakeland, and uh, and Pierce, Stephen Pierce, is from Lakeland. Coached, coached against those guys back in the day. I texted you last night that Chris Sale is really skinny. <laughs> yeah, he's really tall, too. He's like 6'6". He is that, yeah. Yes, yeah. he is. And uh, – yeah, he's putting up Hall of Fame Randy Johnson type strikeout numbers in his career too. He's uh he's turned out to be really good. Yep. Good pitcher. All right. Hey Chet, one more thing before our parting shots. I wanted to give a shout out to that Andy Reid. And this was uh I was gonna put this in the stuff we missed, but Andy Reid became the ninth coach in NFL history to win two hundred football games. Um only one above him is not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, that would be that Marty Schottenheimer. Thoughts on Andy Reid's career, and does he need a Super Bowl to be a Hall of Famer? Great career, and yes, I still think he needs a Super Bowl win to get in the Hall of Fame. He'll get some consideration, I'm sure, um, but you know, he, a lot of times, like last year and so far this year, he gets a team that starts off great, and then they fade near the end. So we'll see what happens. I would love to see him get to the Super Bowl again this year with Kansas City. I really do. I would like to see him do well and, you know, maybe even win one, but he's not going to get in the Hall of Fame without the Super Bowl win. That's my prediction. All right. Okay, Chet, quick parting shot for you, sir. As we discussed, Bill, I was at the Eagles game Sunday. Because of where I was sitting, pretty much the corner of one of the end zones and up high, I was able to see outside the back end of the stadium. And even after the Panthers scored to make it 17-6, I noticed a few hundred people walking out of the stadium. Pretty confident in the Eagles, I figured, but I thought it was strange. Then the Panthers scored again to make it 17-14, to still a decent amount of time left. And yet, minutes later, I saw a few hundred more fans exiting and walking away from the stadium. Clearly, the game was still in doubt at this point, yet these people, I guess, were more concerned about not having to deal with leaving at the same time as everyone else and maybe sitting in traffic for a bit. Come on, people. This isn't a baseball game where there are 81 home games. This is one of eight regular season home football games. Shame on you. And separately, I'll say this. Twice this season, the Eagles blew double-digit fourth-quarter leads and lost the game down in Tennessee and this past Sunday's game at the Link. They happened to be the two games that I attended this season. Clearly, the Chesco jinx is a real thing. I apologize to all Eagles fans. <laughs> okay, and we've, with that, we've reached the end of our hour, so let's thank our special guests, John Bunning, Ty Johnson, Fred Hugo, our sponsors, Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, for their continued support of the show. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Go Birds! E-S-E-L-E-S-E-L-E-S-E-L-E-S-E-L-E-S-E-L-E-S-E-L-E-S-E-L-E-S-E-L-E-S-E-L-E-S-E-L-E-S-E-L-E-S-E-